It has been too long since I gushed over Mike Boynton. Plus, I linked up with the other Locked On Big 12 hosts to talk about the firing of Matt Wells and the Big 12 title race, all on today's episode of Locked On Pokes. Thanks for making Locked On Pokes your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. You are Locked On Pokes, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is up, Cowboy fans? Welcome to the Locked On Pokes podcast, your daily Oklahoma State podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Linda Godfrey, co-host of Fantasy Besties and avid Oklahoma State fan. You can follow me on Twitter at Lindellians or the show at Locked underscore on underscore Pokes on Twitter And the show is on the Locked On Pokes Facebook page. Make sure you follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app to get the latest shows every weekday here with Locked On Pokes. It's always a good day when I get to talk about Mike Boynton. I can't find enough good things to say about him. And he finds himself back on the show sheet today after five-star recruit Anthony Black, who is a guard out of Texas, grabbed a crystal ball prediction towards Oklahoma State earlier this week. He's visited Baylor as well, where his dad played. And let's be honest, recruiting for the basketball season right now is an utter mess because the NCAA still hasn't ruled on the postseason ban. I... I'm so tired of being on the strings of the NCAA. I'm just, just give us a decision. Just say one way or another so that we know what to tell these young kids that are trying to decide their future. It's already insane to make a 17-year-old sit down and decide what they want to do for the next four years. But when there's that much questionability, questionability, that's not a word, but when there's that much to question in the future at a school that you're going to to perfect your craft to get better at playing so that you can hopefully one day play in uh, you know in the pros it's it's hard to it's hard to recruit with that looming over everything at least with an answer we can go in be honest and say hey not this year but next year or or whatever NCAA ends up ruling i have to assume that they get something done relatively quickly. I was pretty confident last season that we were going to get to play in the postseason after our appeal, but this waiting game is so boring and so ridiculous and so inconsiderate for the recruits that are coming in. Just pick one, lean one way or the other so that we can get on with recruiting and what the future looks like for the Oklahoma State basketball program. Now, Anthony Black and another senior, Nick Smith Jr., are having their senior basketball seasons screwed in a big way right now because they were playing for high schools. Families moved, moved into a new district to get a better shot at getting some eyes on their kids. And now both uh, of their previous high schools have tried to deem it inappropriate in some way and and neither of them are playing now one of this of course Anthony Black is happening in Texas Nick Smith Jr. is a player in Arkansas but they're both getting the rod from their previous high schools I think it's supremely unfair first of all they're robbing these kids of potential eye seeing them of more schools noticing these players they're screwing their teammates by taking these players out of the lineup it just feels 
it's so petty. Like I'm pretty petty, but that's, that's a whole new level for me. I can't get behind that. So anyway, Anthony Black getting crystal ball predictions towards Oklahoma State. Mike Boynton continues to impress on, on every level. You know, we knew he was good at recruiting. That was a thing that we knew when he got the head coaching job. And now that he's got this team that's been built solely by him, wins are starting to come and and things are really starting to click for the Oklahoma State basketball program. It was always going to be bumpy to start um, with the sudden leaving and sudden hiring of, of this guy that has done a lot of assistant work but hadn't really been considered as a head coach. I think all of Oklahoma State can agree that we are so happy that he did get that head coaching job. He's done a supreme job recruiting. He's done a great job with the kids that were already in the program. You can tell he's well-liked. He's well-respected. He gets involved in the school, and I've talked about it over and over again, and I will never stop. But he is the definition of bleeding orange. He set up you know, something for the Cowboy basketball team to do for homecoming this weekend. He's at baseball games. He's at softball games. He's tweeting about golf. He does all of it, and he cares, and you can tell that he cares, and it's such an inviting spirit that he has. He does that, I think, probably for recruits as well. I would love to be a fly on the wall for those conversations that he's having with recruits. I think it would be fascinating to really hear kind of what goes on behind closed doors. I will settle for the photos he posts of his fly shoes every time he boards the plane, but I would love to be a fly on the wall for one of those conversations. We're going to get deeper into basketball as we keep getting closer to the season. I love basketball season. There's games, you know, several nights a week. It's it's always going. It's my mom's favorite sport. She is an absolute hoot to watch basketball with. It's it's more entertaining maybe than the basketball game. I'm excited to be inside Gallagher-Iba Arena. I'm excited to see what Mike Boynton has done with this basketball team, with these transfers that he's brought in, you know, having having some of his players back. And we saw the progression that they all made last year. Isaac Likely is ready to take the reins and be the leader of that locker room. I have the utmost confidence in him to be able to do that. So I'm very excited for basketball season. We're going to get into it more and more as basketball season draws closer. Next up, I met with the Locked On Big 12 host, and we talked about Texas Tech firing Matt Wells, what that means for the Big 12 landscape, what that means for Texas Tech as a team, especially right before all this movement starts happening in the Big 12 but first, college football fans, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks offers all the props you can think of, including touchdowns and interceptions, plus field goals, college and professional, and it's super easy to use. You can pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in less than a minute. It's that easy, and when I say an app is easy, you can go ahead and write that in stone. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for a 100% match up to $100. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Thanks for making Lockdown Pokes your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms.
Matt Wells is fired into his third season as a Texas Tech head coach. There are many factors. There are people who believe who was too early. There are people who believe that they did it to get a leg up on the competition, kind of make contact with other coaches. There are people who believe they did it. So Sonny Cumbie, the offensive coordinator, now interim head coach, get a chance to prove himself. I want to get your all's thoughts on the situation. And Jacob, I'll go to you first. Some familiarity with one Matt Wells as he was the head coach at Utah State for a hot minute. So your thoughts on David well- David Wells. The pitcher Matt Wells getting fired. <laughs> Thank you, legend, baby. Let's go. Yeah, it's October. <laughs> there you go. October pitching. Uh, Jake, I'll go to you first. Your thoughts on Matt Wells getting the axe text deck? Well, I- I've known Matt for a long time. He was on my radio show out here in Salt Lake City weekly while he was the head coach at Utah State. So I've, I've gotten to know him fairly decently, and I felt like they short circuited his time there. The fact that you cut him, uh, two and a half years roughly into his tenure, one of those years of COVID year, just seems like it was way too short of a time period. I thought it was an odd, though, originally when he made the jump to Texas Tech. I know he was trying to leave Utah State. He always wanted to get to the Power 5 level. He was looking to find a new spot to land at. I just felt like Texas Tech was kind of an odd spot for him to land, and I I do kind of subscribe to the theory that they are giving a guy like Sonny Cumbie a chance to prove what he can do from here on out. Linda? Sorry, I was muted because the dog's barking. Um, I think we get a very, uh, we have a very like instant gratification type of uh, world right now. And in in football, in both NFL and college, I think we can cut things a little short for coaches and players without uh, giving a fair shot. Feels a little strange unless they're trying to see what their OC has to cut a guy mid-season like that especially with a five and two record it's not like they're out here with a oh and oh and seven record trying to make something work you know so i i would i would assume that that their hope is somebody in staff already has that job locked up john yeah i mean it's it's strange you know to see you know college head coaches fired mid-season at least as many as we've seen and maybe it's one of those things where they're feeling some pressure to do something significant because they're a team that's probably fallen into that bottom tier of uh, teams in the big 12. And then with, with the new big 12 happening, you know, potentially they're falling even farther behind, you know, you know, with the BYU and a Houston. I mean, I know they beat Houston earlier this year, but since then it's just kind of been a, a want, want kind of a season for Texas tech. Uh, you know, they just got rolled by TCU a couple weeks ago who got beat by West Virginia. And so, where, where you're at as a tech fan, you, you don't even know what to think. And I mean, I will say it, it does feel short, but at the same time, if you're tech and you just don't feel like it's working and you feel like you got to make a move, sometimes it's better just to go ahead and make it and, you know, cut your losses short and just try and do something different. Um, it, it seems like Matt Wills was a very liked guy by, mm-hmm. by all accounts. Uh, Lincoln Riley even spoke about it. You know, he's a big fan of Matt Wills. Um, was kind of surprised himself that that he was fired, but yeah, it's it's hard to say, you know, in in a in a sport where it seems like teams might hold on to a coach a little bit too long. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, to my guy. Who are you talking here. about? Who are you talking um, about? <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it's just it is kind of surprising to see somebody get get fired after just a couple of years. So, yeah, Stephen. The timing's kind of weird. I'm surprised they didn't at least like. I don't think they're going to make a bowl game, but I'm surprised they didn't let him play these last four games out to see if they could pull off an upset. Uh, but I mean, to me, this is more about they flirted with this at the end of last season, and they ended up saying, "Okay, we'll just get rid of the OC and Yost mm-hmm. and give him another chance." Like, if you're that close to firing a coach, just fire the coach. 
You know, Tech did this a couple of years ago with Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, Hokut came out after the Texas game and was like, oh, well, Cliff saved his job by beating Texas. Like, if you went into that game against Texas thinking we're going to fire this dude, <laughs> what in the last three hours made you change your mind? Like, that doesn't make any sense. This is a pretty pivotal hire for Texas Tech, though. And I, I think what Jake said is is interesting because Sonny Cumbie has ties to Tech, obviously. He played there. So I feel like this might be somewhat of a, hey, let's see if this guy has something. But I really think this is more about laying the groundwork for either Jeff Trailer at UTSA or Sonny Dykes at SMU. Um, I don't know how much firing Matt a month early actually helps in that sweepstakes. But this is a program that's been bad since Mike Leach got let go. I mean, they just – like Cliff Kingsbury is doing a nice job with the Cardinals. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. You had – well, except for when he plays the Titans, I guess. But you had <laughs> both those guys there at the same time, and they were still like flirting with four or five wins. Like something's wrong there. Um, so I, I feel like you got to get this higher, right? You, you had a good basketball program. Chris Beard just left. Yeah, really good baseball cro- program. I know Tim Tadlock's there for the long term. Like they need to get some juice behind football again. Because when when Tech's good, like Lubbock is an elite atmosphere. I mean, like that mm-hmm. place is great. And yeah, both basketball, football, it. and baseball, all three of those. Yes, they do. They'll, they'll, I mean, there's nothing to do. Like, what are you going to do? You're yeah. out in West Texas. So you, you go support the team. Um, don't at me. I don't like, I don't care what restaurants. No, it's true. Please bro. don't. It's, true. Nothing it's true. I went there. I, I went there. Hold on real quick. I went there for a choir it. camp before my senior year of high school. And that sounds like a rock really quickly. Time. Found out real quickly that I was not interested in going to Texas Tech. So we're going to circle back to that in the group. Yeah. That. That's, that, that's even, even the choir kids were like, tech's not my speed, brother. I that'll mean a new segment we call West Texas Corner. That is a new segment of the show. All right. So so one thing I want to mention, this is brought up, like, this is the through line through all this. Um, Matt Wells is really well liked. Uh, yeah. Jacob, it sounds like you had a great experience with him, right? Yeah. Radio. He, he he's he, he's great and he's always he was great he joined us like i said weekly on my radio show here in salt lake city he was great uh, he's a guy from oklahoma he played quarterback at utah state so he was he was a hometown guy when he was coaching the aggies i'm looking forward to seeing where he lands next but i really do think sunny dykes the whole connection with spike dykes and texas tech that one makes way too much sense but if they i'm just not sure they're gonna be able to leverage him out of smu i, I that's just my personal opinion that's a, that's a big question with all this, but also to like the coaches like him too, right? Like in Riley, some nice things. And then look, the guys I work with at big 12 today at Sirius XM radio are, are like, why they cut him loose. We love Matt Wells and he's been nothing but good to us when he comes on the zooms and always giving us time and always been really thoughtful and nice. And uh, that's the thing that doesn't save your job. And, and, and the other part of this too is they didn't win any games, uh, big games, I should say. Another big part of this is also, this feels like something that was pressure made not from Herbie, Kirby Hocutt, from people outside of Kirby Hocutt. They're kind of doing the whole we have a committee, doing the next search thing. That's going down there now. And I think they wanted to get a jump on what could be maybe a bit more of a robust Texas college football coaching market, Stephen, uh, if, if things continue to develop over at TCU. I just think they wanted to start kind of getting a head start in this because here's the thing. Sonny Cumbie's a good candidate, right? Or For them, he's a good candidate. He makes a lot of sense. Does anybody know who Tech has left in their schedule? Does anybody else check besides me? Anybody else know? They have the four ranked teams in the Big 12 Conference left say, in their schedule. The, 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 the ranked teams. They, they, they've got a tough closing slate here. And 
Are you – I mean, is anybody – you know, it's hard if you go 0-4 as an interim head coach to, to say, hey, hire me. Now, the problem is your interim coach going up against the four best teams in the conference, all of which have – at you know, Oklahoma's Oklahoma still. Baylor's been playing really good football. Oklahoma State's played really good football, and Iowa State's playing their best football. Um, they're not going to be favored in any of those games. They're probably not going to win any of those games. Who knows? They might. So I think it's a situation where they just wanted to get a leg up. They want to get a, a head start. And here's the thing, you know, I, I'll disagree with you guys a little bit, and this is just maybe me being a, a younger younger person and and having less perspective, but uh, I'm actually okay with the move. I, I don't I, – I saw what happened this past weekend. There's no excuse for losing that game, and I also think there's no excuse for delaying the inevitable. Also, if you don't plan on hiring Sonny Cumbie – then why not let him have the shot? Now it might set your recruiting back a little bit because you don't have you're going to have a staff trying to sell kids and they're not going to be there anymore moving forward. But look, you've now you know you now made the choice. You you now kind of set yourself on a new course. I actually don't have a problem with that from that perspective. Although I do understand what you're saying. The COVID point is is a great point. COVID year is a great point. But they weren't like they had Texas dead to rights last year and didn't win that football game. They had teased it, um, uh, Kansas State dead to rights this past week and didn't win that football game. They got absolutely hammered by Texas and by TCU this year. TCU game was at home, was never close. So I just think for me, like, there were some signs that it's time. I do hope Matt Wells ends up, ends up the right place. I do think he's a decent head coach. And also I think this was, wasn't really a good fit. Like, Texas Tech... I know Mike Leach didn't have any Texas ties, but like the air raid system is something that like, that's what is, is synonymous now at Texas tech. And uh, I don't think, I don't think going like outside the box is like what they have to do. Like I think they know what can get them to, to bowl games at least every single year. So I don't know if anybody else has something to want to comment on anything I said there, but I just, yeah, John, go ahead. Yeah. I just wanted to say, I think I feel like this is a situation where tech's being, a little bit too results oriented, if that makes sense. Like mm. I know it's a, it's a business that's wins losses and that's all that matters. But when you're tech, you probably need to go back to just like process. Like mm-hmm. what is the best process to make us the most competitive for the longest period of time? And that's what they had with Mike Leach. They were content for a, for a period of time where he was getting them to eight, nine wins. Sometimes they'd jump up and have that 10, 11 win season and contend for the big 12. And then they got a little bit dissatisfied you know, thinking that they were a little bit bigger than what they actually are. And I think that's probably some of it is they just need to have some realistic expectations that you're Texas tech. It's, it's going to be hard to get there um, in the recruiting battle against even teams from DFW. I mean, you're, you're going to have a hard time out recruiting SMU and TCU just because you're in Lubbock. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Not to, uh, not to continue to pile on Lubbock. Sorry. No, no, I, I don't. <laughs> No, but no, I, I think you're right. And that's why it takes the, you know, that's why it might take the right kind of person. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a combination of both process and finding the right person to do it. But I think there's some good options out there for them right now. I always have a really good time talking to those guys. They have fantastic insight. They are definitely more honed in on the full college landscape than I am as I spend quite a bit of time in the NFL world, but I do love talking to them. We always have a great time every week. Next up, we talked about the Big 12 title race, what that looks like now that there's kind of this Iowa State, Baylor, Oklahoma State uh, mess right after OU. But first, 
a word from one of our sponsors, Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there, and you can get 15% off your order at Built.com with promo code LOCKED15. It tastes like a candy bar, but it's a healthy option for a sweet treat. Not only does it taste like a candy bar, it looks like a candy bar. They are covered in chocolate. They have nine flavors, raspberry, coconut, peanut butter chocolate, all kinds of options in the flavor department. If you are indecisive, much like I am, you can get Built Bar's Mix Box where you get two of each of the nine flavors over on Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Again, head over to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Bet Online got a makeover with a whole new look to start the basketball season, but it's still the number one place for all your football and basketball action this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Basketball, baseball, football, hockey, football coaching staffs. Head to the new website or mobile app and use promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Remember to use promo code locked on to receive your welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. We have our um we have our oh, hold on. Oh, don't don't go there. Okay. Big 12 power rankings, new graphic. This is fun. Yay, yay. Let's go back to front, actually, on this. All right, because we'll make our way to the front here in a second. Well, the last team does relate to the first team. So Kansas is still last. TCU is ninth. Maybe it's not. That's, that's maybe it's a bit unfair, but I have them with West Virginia and Texas Tech. Um, and if you guys want to check out a full kind of review and thought on TCU, Steve and I recorded an episode yesterday about it, and it's up now on uh, Locked On Big 12's YouTube and, and, and page. Um, Steven, but for those who haven't heard and folks here haven't heard it, describe what happened at the end of the half for TCU against West Virginia. Because I think as opposed to going through a full diatribe about the way things are heading for TCU, I think this is a really good embodiment of the things that are wrong there. So go ahead and describe what happened end of first half, TCU, West Virginia. You were there. So, yeah, uh, TCU's trailing 20 to 14 to West Virginia. Hadn't played particularly well in the first half, but they had the ball in the red zone, had a chance to score. So it was third and goal from the 15. Max Duggan hits Savion Williams on a little crossing route. He gets down to the two. Fourth and goal from the two. Clock's winding down towards halftime. TCU lets the clock run down. They call a timeout. And it seems like what you do there is you go for it. You try to take the lead. And you basically try to say, hey, we're up 21-20 at halftime. We didn't play well, but hey. Second half, we let's let's get after this, um, and that's what Gary Patterson chose to do at first. He sends his offense out there, um, and West Virginia calls the timeout. And then coming out of the timeout, Gary sent the field goal team out. They kick a field goal, cut it to twenty to seventeen. They didn't score again, and they end up losing that game twenty nine to seventeen. And you could, as as poor Griffin Kell ran onto the field, the the TCU kicker, you could just feel the air come out of the half empty stadium there in Fort Worth because of, you know, the conservative call. And after the game, Gary's explanation was essentially, hey, we had a play call that we really liked. We thought they weren't going to line up right. They called a timeout. They got a look at the formation we were in, and we decided to kick a field goal, which is just a bizarre explanation to me. I feel like you you, you can run more than one play. I think it's legal. Like, you can choose another play. You had 
at least 30 seconds. I think there was a TV timeout involved. The guy with the red sleeve was up there. So you had three minutes to figure out what you wanted to do. And they decided to kick a field goal. The defense had really struggled in the first half. It just it, it felt like kind of a microcosm of the last, you know, few weeks, few years in, in some ways. Um, so they lost the game to three and four now. They're kind of staring at not making a bowl game in the face. And uh, it's it's a weird situation. It's an awkward situation. You know, Josh, have you ever had somebody at your house that you don't want to kick out, but you're ready for them to leave? So you start saying things like, hey, I got to I gotta work tomorrow. Or you might get <laughs> up and try to start walking towards the door to get the momentum going. Well, Gary's not taking the hint. He's cracked open another beer. He wants to watch another episode of Squid Game with you. He's saying stuff like, I don't have to be up till 10 tomorrow. It's all good. And you're starting to realize the situation that you're in. He will not leave. He He's not leaving, it. brother. He's going to make this weird. You're going to have to bruise this relationship or bruise that ego. One of the two. Um, so that's where TCU is. And it's, it's an uncomfortable place to be uh, at, at the moment, I would say. Everybody's favorite part of the week is always TCU. Is there anything yeah. else to add to TCU corner? Never. It's, no, I don't no think so. I mean, you know, I think to give some context to it, because I feel like a lot of people look at it from the outside and they're like, what's the holdup, right? Like, why Why is this Why is this a hard decision? Yeah, I understand. Um, and, I mean, he did build the thing. So it's it's just tough. You but, know? like, it's, that's not an excuse to keep him. Like, I'm sorry. No, no, but, like, I'm not saying things, it like, is. You, don't, you don't get it. But, like, every, but this is not just you, Stephen. Like, I was on today and, and Dusty Dvorak told me, he's like, but, but he, he was there when it was the whack. Okay, they're not in the whack anymore. Yeah. They're in the Big 12. And their no, recruiting class is, like, you. 50th. Like mm-hmm. that is the problem here is that that is the, he set a fantastic standard, but they're a big 12 football team that is in the Metroplex that has had top 25 recruiting classes with a guy who is a 50 plus year old weird white man. Like they can do just as well with somebody who is not that I can promise you that. No, all, all that's fair. And I would say like, he's, he's at this point, he's like the guy, if you've ever had a job, and there's just somebody who does things blatantly wrong and you bring it up to people and they're like, well, that's just Dave. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, what, what's the deal? This, that's what Dave does. You know, he sticks his elbow in the sandwich and you're not going to do anything about it. You just got to live with it. Um, and that's sort of where he's at. But I think the boosters, like ideally what they want is to let his contract play out till 2023 and let him retire. That in my mind, that's a disastrous situation. Like that's an untenable yes. situation now yes. because things are going downhill quickly. But that's that's what they want. As we stand here on October 26th. Now, does that change if they lose to K-State and Oklahoma State and Baylor down the stretch? I would hope so. And I think they're gonna lose those games, but that's that's kind of where they stand right now. All right, let's move on to the next game, uh, or the next kind of set of things. The tenth ranked team in the power rankings is Kansas. Uh, still at one and six. They played Oklahoma. Uh, your thoughts now, John, after marinating on it for a few days. Um, man, it was it was a pitiful effort in the first half, if you could even call it an effort. Um, it was just a team that just didn't show up. Like I, I've wrote about it several times. I feel like I ran out of metaphors to describe um, them leaving whatever it was: their helmet, their heart, their soul on the bus, and and. Finally, you know, the quit hitting the snooze button and woke up at halftime and it it was bad, man. Just like basic things like how to defend the read option. 
They forgot how to do that for a half. They see the read option all the time. They see it in practice, and yet they forgot how to defend it. Just really basic things like that. You know, Kansas, I mean, I feel like Kansas had a really good game plan otherwise because, I mean, they they saw that Oklahoma has struggled with the read option in this this season. But they took the, the air out of the ball, controlled the clock. You know, some of it was on, you know, Kansas playing pretty solid football. Some of it was Oklahoma giving them yards, three offsides penalties on the first drive of the game. And one of them by Brian Osamoa, where he didn't even really hold up. He just like straight ran through the line, like <laughs> completely mistimed the, the snap. And and Jason Bean played a pretty solid game. And I mean, he he had a 55% completion percentage coming into the game, completed 74% against Oklahoma. So some of that is pretty terrible defense by Oklahoma. But I got to give some credit to Jason Bean. I felt like he played a really good game. But yeah, basically, it's just I just hope that that's just like a a one off situation where it's like. They just decided not to show up for a half and then kind of turned it on in the second half. But even so they in the were sec- troubled in the second half, man. I mean, even in the second half, the defense wasn't great. I mean, it took the offense scoring five straight touchdowns like on all of their drives. And it wasn't until the final two minutes of the game where Oklahoma actually put it away. And so it, it's just a, a weird, weird situation that if they play like that, any of the four games they have remaining, they're going to get beat and possibly blown out. All right. Um, Linda, the floor is yours to express whatever you feel is is in your heart and your soul right now. Uh, with Oklahoma State losing to Iowa State. Now, what's this? Um, saw a good angle today of the uh, of Brandon Presley underneath. Um, Pierce got the first down. I I thought I didn't know if there was an angle or not. I think we can all agree that look, if the lineman is over at the forty yard line, probably the guy who's pushing underneath him is probably at the forty yard line as well too, right? I think we can all. Kind of yeah, the, the Big point. 12 refs, I've like I'm used to Big 12 refs kind of screwing me in Ames, Iowa. Like I've been here before. I'm having very uh, familiar feelings from the 2011 season, including the missed kick. As soon as Tanner Brown missed that first kick, and it was like 50 yards. Come on, Mike Gundy. You just decided to start this kicker. And the second one like, was worse, though. The second, the second I, one was It was worse. way worse. Hashtag never kick. Yeah, I, college cases. Especially in Ames, Iowa, bro. Anyway, so it was a combination – because I, I do think it was Spencer Sanders' best game as a Cowboy, for mm-hmm. sure two of his best throws, including the touchdown to Brennan Presley and the touchdown to Tate Martin, both of which were outdone by the receiving job by both receivers. So, like, he's almost even getting overshadowed by that. But I do think Spencer Sanders had a fantastic game, so it sucks he didn't get the win. I do think Brennan Presley had that first down. He was clearly on top of Danny Godlewski and and over the first down marker, but they marked balls short that entire game. And even to give some to Iowa State, that penalty on the taunting was absurd. Mm-hmm. It was awful. awful. And it ended up not mattering, but like to like what come on, let the kid have his touchdown. Let's move yeah. on. I was not impressed with the play calling uh, at on the offensive side of the ball at all. I think we played a very uh, just try not to lose kind of offense, which is my least favorite when Mike Gundy does that. We didn't feed Jalen Warren. He was getting like 30 uh, carries a game. We dropped it to 18. And I under, understand Iowa State's defense is a little better against the run, but Jalen Warren looked great in the first half. And in the second half, we were like, now nah, we'll just stop doing the thing that's been working all season and see if we can figure it out another way. So 
ultimately, I think it really lies on on the coaches that we didn't come out with that win. I will say this. I think, uh, you know, on in, in Ames, Iowa, Iowa State was three points better. Just And, and maybe, you know, are you, they're a, a, a bad spot better. I think that game's in a neutral field. That's a deadlock. I think you put that game in uh, Stillwater. I think it's a, probably a three-point win for Oklahoma State. I think those two teams are very even. They played a they no turnovers, clean game. And I, I think uh, my kind of big takeaway was I think that might actually be the future of Big 12 football once Texas Oklahoma are left. Uh, have left. I think the teams coming in, you know, you're thinking about obviously Cincinnati hangs their hat on defense. BYU, depending on the year, you know, can have some good, you know, has some very has had some very good defensive years. But obviously, teams like TCU who normally want to hang their hats on defense, West Virginia does the same too. Uh, that could, you know, that is the best version of what maybe Baylor, obviously, of what Big Twelve football could be. And I, I thought it was an excellent game. I, I thought it was a great game. The offenses made plays and they had to for each side. The defenses were there. It also, if, if Oklahoma State doesn't miss that kick tie game, so I, I thought it was a deadlock. I, I thought those teams were so even. And honestly, I moved Iowa State ahead because they got the win, but like. You think about these three teams right here grouped at two, three, and four, and this is the exciting part about it. Oklahoma State has beaten Iowa State. Iowa State has beaten Baylor, and Baylor has beaten Iowa State. All three have not played Oklahoma yet. Game on. There's your decider. If one of them can catch Oklahoma, they're probably going to be in the Big 12 title game. And also, I wouldn't put it past two of them to catch Oklahoma with the way OU has played right now. All right, last thing I want to get to, uh, going to you, Jacob. Four to a week. For teams joining the Big 12, a 4 0 week. Also, what a nice win on the road for your BYU Cougars. Uh, what do you make of that? Also, what do you make of the uh, the, the Cincinnati Navy situation? Everybody's pooping oh, the Navy. Geez. Oh, no, yeah. They only won by, or, or Cincinnati. They only won by seven points. Oh, God, no. <laughs> well, I think the Cincinnati deal, just a quick note on that, is if they're going to legitimately stay in the college football playoff conversation and those first initial rankings come out a week from tonight, so November 2nd, looking forward to seeing where Cincinnati actually does slot in that. They've got to win by more. Uh, Navy's a weird team. They run the option. You were going to uh, Annapolis to play that game. Winning by seven points, you you won your clunker. Right? And the guys over at Solid Verbal use that mm-hmm. term all the time. Yes, they do. Uh, I... I it was a clunker. So they won the clunker. Good. Good job on you guys. So, but I think going forward, they've got to really start putting together impressive wins because we all know that the college football playoff committee is going to try and find something to nail them on. And this, that Navy game might be one of the things that they point to now with regards to BYU, good to see them get back into the win column after back-to-back losses to uh, both Boise state and Baylor. They did it the hard way. Uh, Washington state made it tough on them, but They've got some momentum now, and Bronco Mendenhall, former BYU head coach, coming to Provo this Saturday night. So should be some extra juice at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday. The Bronco Bowl, and I also mentioned Houston gets a win against ECU. Yeah. And a weird game that was delayed, I think. Uh, then they get the time. Then also, hours, I think. Yeah, it was it was delayed for a little while. And then uh, UCF, a 24-7 win over Memphis. So 4-0 week for the future Big 12 teams. Again, I always have so much fun with those guys. Make sure you're following them on Twitter to get, you know, their insight on all the games coming up. Thanks for making Locked On Pokes your first listen every day. Make sure to check back in tomorrow for a more dialed-in look at the matchup against Kansas. Now, go make your second listen Locked On Big 12. Get all your daily Big 12 news in less than 30 minutes with Big 12 expert Josh Neighbors. Free and available on all platforms. 
Remember, you can find me at Lindellians on Twitter or follow the show page at Locked underscore on underscore Pokes on Twitter or the Locked on Pokes Facebook page. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Go Pokes!